Welcome to another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Madeline Siege. And I am Eris Felmuth. Hello. This week, we were thinking, you know, what is it that we learned this week that was important to us? And I told him that for me, I learned things can change so fast, like an instant, you know, like in one moment you think, oh, everything is lost, everything is fucked. <laughs> and then in the, another, in, the, in the next moment, everything just turns around so quickly. Like for us, we have our five kittens now, we, who, which are actually ready to move out soon. And until a week ago, there was there was no one who was interested in, you know, the, the cats. And so we thought like, well, we can't keep them all. <laughs> like, we'll end up with seven cats at our home, which wouldn't work. And so at that point, I was like, wow, what are we going to do with this? You know, there's no, I mean who will come and who will who will immediately say they want to have a cat and we have five of them and so we need a couple of people and so i already felt like ooh a little desperate <laughs> but then i i used the the power of uh, manifestation which means i really put myself into the energy of okay you know we find we f we find a solution people will come everything will be all right we won't end up with seven cats at home And immediately the next day, and I'm not lying here, <laughs> there was, there was uh, first of all, a person calling me. And then we also had a couple more uh, papers out there for, you know, announcement that we have some cats here. And then another person was calling me. And then within a week, we had them all gone to very nice homes. And I was just like... Well, had them uh, at least sold. I mean, yeah, well, here. they're still with us, but, oh, you know... Now I hear it too. My bike, my bike is fucked. Oh, yeah. Right, hold on a second. So, I brought my monitor out just in case. Mm -hmm. What could that be? That's interesting. And so that was that was one thing that I learned. You know, not, nothing is lost. You, in every minute, every situation has you have the possibility to turn things around. It is just also a matter of your perspective, how you see the world, and what you think is truth, and what you think is, you know, happening. And by really putting in the effort and sitting down and imagining how would it actually be good? How do you want to have the situation? And so maybe bringing that to the loop of the, the topic of cooperation, I, I've, I've, I wrote a, a no, not a, uh, sorry, <laughs> I didn't wrote a book, I read a book a couple of weeks ago that was actually for uh, research for my next book. And that person, she's a biologist, and she said that in nature, it is usually like that, that it goes from competition to cooperation. And I thought about this for a while, and I thought, actually, I think she's right. You know, at the beginning, there might be competition about resources or anything like that. And eventually, different species, like a, a mammal or a, a tree or a fungi, they kind of start cooperating with each other in order to use the resources they have most effectively. And... This is actually also called evolution. I think that's something that we can that we can also put on humanity. There is so much cooperation amongst people, yet there's also a lot of competition. <laughs> I think it starts with competition and if people would understand also the rules of nature, they would move maybe more into the direction of cooperation as well. So I'm trying to feel the uh, filling the gap here. <laughs> this is coming no, back. Mike's still fucked. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll share a mic. So, yeah. What do you think about this? 
So I heard everything. I don't know what's going on with my mic there. It's, uh, it's one of these things that sometimes <clears throat> shit happens. And so we're going to share a mic today. Um, but yeah, the idea of, uh, I really like what you said before. I'm going to leave this in just in case this one decides to go crazy. Um, the the idea that competition leads to corpor- uh, cooperation, right? And um, this was something that what you had actually wrote down previously in our notes, you, dis- you uh, illustrated very nicely how it happens in the natural world. And I even thought about it, you know, uh, this this week a new uh, piece of uh, a little thing that happened to me recently, like obviously with the, the company getting started and all that, there's a lot that has to happen at the same time. So there's a lot of multitasking that has to go on, right? And I realized to myself, you know, um, I have to stop being a technician and become more of the company leader because when you when you kill yourself with all the little details, you just wear yourself out. You wear yourself thin. And it's this idea, it's it's that idea that um, if you're constantly using your time, you know, it's a competition of constant resources. It's a constant fight and struggle in order to get what it is done that you want to have done. And what you really want to have done is, 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 is to prepare or, or actually lay out the um, environment for a good life, right? And if you're constantly stepping in your own on your own feet by doing that, it's never going to happen. And so it's, it's one of these funny ideas that I had as well that cooperation happens also with yourself. You have to cooperate with yourself, with your own time. In nature, you explained, uh, well, what I read, uh, you can talk about further, uh, that when an ecosystem gets started and actually goes over what you've called many times the tipping point, you know, there's a lot that happens in order to make an ecosystem stable. And a stable e- ecosystem really is just, in in, in the end, it's, it's this large form of cooperation in which all the organisms find their place. And if they don't find their place, it's quite brutal. They, they, they either get, um, you know, um, thrown out, killed, or uh, overtaken, you know? It's one of these ideas, too, that cooperation doesn't necessarily mean that everybody gets along. It means that everybody finds their place in reality. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to truly be able to acknowledge what they, are, what, what they can contribute for themselves and for others in order to be able to continue to survive. And I see that in the work environment constantly. I see that in a personal reflection kind of way. I see that uh, just in, in daily life and all that. And, and uh, it was one of these funny things what actually kind of kicked off this idea for this episode today because we were looking through all the past ideas that we had um, was that uh, I was just gifted, uh, well, not gifted, I was given the ability to buy a ticket to go to Wacken um, uh, next week. And Wacken is a, is a festival over here in Germany, a heavy metal festival, right? And... Um, it's well, it's one of the bigger ones in the world. I mean, there's actually Woodstock, Poland, which is like a million people, right? But Wacken's 150,000 people, which is a lot of people. And it's in a little tiny town, right? It's once a year and um, the tickets sell out in like five hours, right? So it's, 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 it's pretty intense. And, and to actually see how that's evolved over the past 30 years now, right? 33 years. This will be the 33rd year of Wacken. Um just to see how the refinement and, and again, cooperation. It's interesting to see how in German society you have um, the ability to have such an event. You know, a lot of countries and a lot of cultures would, wouldn't, wouldn't survive doing something like this. And flat out, it's because they're either too violent 
or uh, they just can't handle logistics. And and it's interesting to see that Germany's actually always been known for that, to be the most friendly place, and at the same time, logistically very organized. So it, it worked out really, really well to be able to do these types of festivals. This is why for uh, open-air festivals, Germany is is known worldwide, right? Whether it be Summer Breeze, or Wacken Open Air, or With Full Force, or Gothic Treffen, Rock am Ring, you know, these are all huge, huge, huge festivals. And... Germany is really just known for that idea that people can come here. They're like, there's no real control over the alcohol, right? Drinking is is just open. I mean, nobody checks, nobody cares, right? Uh, I think you, I think you can get a ticket to Wacken after uh, you have to be 14 years old. And if you're 14 or 15 in there and you want to buy a beer, you'll get a beer. I mean, that's just how the culture works here. They have 150 police officers. I heard for the entire event. Um, in Ontario, I remember when I when I've been to a couple um, open air festivals over there, the stupid law in Canada, or at least in Ontario, is you have to have, I believe it is, um, one police officer per 20 people, right? So if, if Wacken happened in Canada, you'd have 5,000 police officers on site. So it just wouldn't happen. You don't even have that many police officers ready to go to do that kind of a thing, right? So the whole thing just, it, it's actually very inspirational to see. It's, it's one of these things where, we complain a lot about, uh, I mean, it's very easy to complain about where you are uh, because you are where you are and you have the problems you have where you have them, right? And really, like, this is something we've often talked about is that uh, maybe we should look for other places, other opportunities, but then when we really go out and we see it and when we come back and we're like, you know, it's pretty nice where we are. <laughs> there are a lot of really great things where we are that just don't, typically exist in other places and you have to take that in consideration you know if we were to leave here things like this wouldn't be you know not not on the same level not on the same uh, not in the same scope so there we go hi everybody we're here live today it all worked out this is our outside uh, garden which madeline had already previously noted um what do you want to talk about then in respect to uh um you talked a lot about uh, perception creates cooperation also to a degree do you want to elaborate on that yeah, good. We have to share microphones, so this this is going to be a fun one. I can I can hear quite a bit of static in it too. I think we're 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 broadcasting through two concrete walls, so uh, there might be a little bit of snow in the uh, in the recording. But you know what? It's not going to be a long recording today. We just wanted to do it. We wanted to try it for fun. One of the big reasons why we have this smart home stupid people podcast video cast is for fun really like we're not we're not trying to monetize this or or make anything really big out of it we enjoy doing this as a hobby and we enjoy talking to all the people who choose to chime in and that being said today we're not live in the audio version on uh, podbean let me bring that up um we're live on rockfin telegram twitch and dlive podbean we're not doing just because it was last minute and we decided uh, podbean's been very difficult lately they've had glitches in their system and they wouldn't let us for some reason it's been a thing where like we can't change the artwork when we go live and all that stuff so we're just leaving it out for today until they fix their bugs so here you go maddie <laughs> thank you yeah so what was that perception creates cooperation mm. well this is something that you mentioned I have to talk about it like this. Exactly. This is something that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about in biology that, um, and, and even personally, you know, with the shamanic concept of manifesting what you want to do, right? This, this, this is a way of being able to take um, an internal conflict, you know, that, that is competition um, in one way or another and creating a balance, creating a cooperation within yourself or within your environment. 
Yeah, I mean, if you think about the word of competition, was that what does that mean? Obviously, there is not enough, you know, from from something. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any competition. If you are in a, you know, in a sports event, you have competitors. There's only one price, and so they compete for that only one limited resource. Yeah. And so the same idea in nature, like there's um, so-called the, the the male competition and the female competition. Usually, it's male competition because the females have only one one egg or, you know, like uh, they only ovulate every once in a month or something like that. So it's a limited resource. And that's why there is a lot of male competition amongst, let's say, right? <laughs> so the birdies, when the, the, the females get ready, the, the males are just like putting into so much effort into presenting themselves because they know there are only a few females and they only made maybe once. They want to be the one that, you know, they're mating with. And so there's a lot of competition amongst the males being the, the nicest, most beautiful. At the same time, they're the loudest, yeah. the, loudest yeah. the whatever. <laughs> but at the same time, I would say in nature, there is enough of everything. There is enough of everything. Like, for example, maybe there are some males, you know, who are not so beautiful, who are not so so loud. Um, and they there are a lot of strategies. They, they come up with strategies that help them actually to, for example, mate also with the females. They might sneak in. They might look more like females as well. So there is a lot of um, uh, creative. Maybe that, that would be worth another topic. <laughs> it's a lot of cool things actually happening in nature about that. But... At the end, there's always enough from everything. So maybe there is no real competition the way we think it is. Um, although it's a um, it's a basic, um, how you say that, a basic um, anama like um, over here. What is that word? Anama. And um, assumption It's a basic yeah. assumption in in maybe mathematics and statistics or in nature mm -hmm. that we have limited resources. Well. Honestly, even like what you just said, it's not just that we have limited resources. I think that in nature, there is a brutality. And I think that it's not to be underestimated is that uh, things die because uh, of, of the competition. But like you mentioned, they become creative and they, they alter their circumstances. Take tortoises, for example. They, they lay hundreds of eggs and only a few of them make it to the ocean and survive. And they take that into consideration that, uh, you know, 98% of them will not make it. And so there is a brutality involved in competition, but at the same time, that's a part of the corporation, cooperation. And when you even look at it, what happens to all those other 89% or 98%, whatever it is, uh, of the tortoises that don't make it? Well, the eggs become used for food. They, you know, it, it just comes back into the system. Yeah, that's what just I uh, wanted to say. It's not that they're gone and lost forever, but they're actually, you know, feeding, like, feeding other animals they they become uh, humus or you know just fertilizer or anything like that. So it's a constant cycle that is re, uh, reju rejuvenating itself, yeah, regenerating itself, and rejuvenating, and rejuvenating. <laughs> over and over and over. And if you see it from that point of view, maybe there is not so much competition that we think of, and that maybe there is even more cooperation that we would think of. Like there is that German. I think he's a he's a, a forest man, like forest forester. Is that sure. yeah? yeah. His name is Peter Wohlleben. Maybe some of you guys already heard him. He's very, very famous here in Germany as well as international. And he came up with this idea that, you know, nature is not so harsh that we would think of, but there is actually more of cooperation. Maybe, um, uh, for example, amongst trees, you know, they help each other, they warn each other. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of, lot of examples. And now we can see that actually in research, 
how symbiotic relationships are, you know, amongst trees and fungi or bacteria and, and other species, other animals. So there is... Yeah, even between plants. Yeah, so there is so much out there and that picture of the the harsh, you know, bloody nature <laughs> kind of starts to shift into more a more friendly place, a more cooperating place. And even, you know, if the lion has to hunt down the gazelle, I think there is still there is still an how you say that, like a, a balance into it. Maybe that gazelle was ill or, you know, it was like an old gazelle or something like that. And so they they, they really keep the balance within an ecosystem in, in their own way that we might be not able to, to observe it like that. So also my point of view is that with manifestation, you can actually manifest, I think, everything in your life that you want to. Although some might say, you know, well, there's not enough but uh, there's not enough money there is not enough houses for everyone there is not enough partner for everyone <laughs> but everything in my life i experienced that there is enough of everything it started with me being a biologist everyone told me there are not enough jobs out there you know and i never had a problem finding a job eventually i always i always found something yeah, somewhere you made your own thing and it, like you made your own job in the end uh, you wrote your own books you did your own thing you know yeah, with that house that we're living here, before we, we, we moved into that place, we were looking in that area and everyone told us, well, you won't find anything here anymore. There is nothing left. <laughs> well, if you have that belief, well, guess what? I'm sure that, you know, then eventually you won't find anything because you think like, oh, I won't find anything uh, anyway. You know, like they say there's nothing left here anymore. Then why would I would I be so lucky to find anything? Then a couple of months we found that place and it was affordable for us. And yeah. now, you know, the prices went up. So I would say maybe now you wouldn't be able to find anything anymore. Even then, you know, there's always, always an opportunity, always uh, things start to shift if you just start to also change your energy to it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was one of these things, it's funny, and I was just thinking back to the to the, um, the vacuum open air thing. When I first came here to Germany, um, I came here under the assumption that I'd just see how things go. And I uh, I wanted to pursue more music, you know, and I was really excited about all the different uh, live open air festivals and so on and so forth. Um, I wanted to pursue education. Education in North America is stupid expensive, you know, like if you want to do um, like a proper education in university, you can, you can easily go into $200,000 of debt just to get your four or five year education, right? Um, whereas over here, it's you know, I find it funny when the Germans complain about the 250 euros they have to fork out for their semester, <laughs> right? And so it's it's actually quite it's it's amazing to see um, just the differences, you know. And like I said, you know, when I first came here, I wanted to pursue chemistry. That's that was another big thing. And then I I got involved in in the um, building automation thing, which I was already doing back home, but I decided to pursue it more over here, and it became so fun there was so much creativity involved and um i decided i didn't like actually the university environment i decided the music environment i enjoyed a lot as a hobby but i didn't want to do it um full-time because i i know a lot of full-time musicians and it's it's not easy when you want to slow down or stop or change or you know when you start sacrificing what it is what that you want to do right um, so it's, 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 it's something I, cho I chose to keep as a hobby because I realized that on that level, I never had to sacrifice anything. It was always going to be what I wanted it to be when I wanted it to be. And that was the end of it. 
So that was kind of that internal that internal struggle for for me to be able to learn how to uh, balance all of that. So co- cooperation to me is kind of a synonym for balance, right? You know, earlier when you're talking about how um, maybe it's not as brutal as we perceived it to be. I think that it's it's actually really an interesting thing because how many of you guys, when you guys go out and you go camping, I don't know how many of you guys actually still do that kind of stuff, uh, but if you go out, and I mean really camping, not like in an RV on a, on a federal camping spot or anything like that. I mean out in the bush or anything like that. When you actually really re-immerse into raw nature, it's you feel it, it doesn't feel wrong it doesn't feel brutal you know what i mean like it, it, it that that whole negative context i think it it's one of these things where um you know just like the idea of the tv of, of our show smart home stupid people um that when things become too comfort we lose the ability to comfortable we lose the ability to take care of ourselves and we kind of start fearing that idea of taking care of ourselves again because it is difficult because we have to because that life requires work but that work and that that it's actually something immensely fulfilling and i'm starting to see that more and more again now where um i'm trying to recycle like to to really get my um um my circadian rhythm and all that stuff back online waking up earlier and actually doing more throughout the day so that by the end of the day i'm actually tired and i want to go to sleep and i'm not just burnt out from looking at a computer screen or anything like that it's it's very easy to think that oh yeah i can sit in a chair all day long and i can look at a computer screen and do all my work from home and that uh everything's easy i got the the the, the kitchen over there with the with the um with the fridge and you know i got the tv over there and the radio over here and it's nice and hot and you know it's very easy to fool ourselves into thinking that all of these amenities actually bring forward uh, a comfortable life you know competition is an interesting thing for me because i always thought competition to be kind of a negative thing you know what about what about you like uh, was there a lot of competition for you when you were, were growing up for me it was a uh, sport right and 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 scholastic as well, but at the same time, there I, I I see it as two two different paths, right? There's the competition that helps you self propagate yourself, and and it helps you lift you up in the sense that you have exposed yourself to a challenge, and you've taken this challenge on, and and through this you 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 come out better on the other end, you know, or you've learned what your limits are and you give up before before it's too late, right? And, and the negative side of competition is that, you know, um, I have to be number one. doesn't matter what I, what it is. It, like you put forward this artificial goal in front of you and you put that goal in front of everything, in front of your health, in front of your relationships, in front of anything really. And, and that I find to be, can be very destructive, right? Because on one side, if it's self-propagating and you can achieve this goal, yeah, it, it's always nice when you come out on the other end, but at the same time, do the ends justify the means in the sense that if you're destroying yourself to get there, is it worth it, right? So what was it like for you, uh, the idea of competition, and did that lead to corporation, cooperation in your life, <laughs> specifically when you were younger? So there was a lot of competition, I would say, in school, but it had more also to do with my parents, you know, the the pressure of achieving something, the pressure of having good marks and all that. So competing kind of with the other students. But with me, it was very hard in university. I was competing also with others on that level that I really wanted to be the best in my um, year. (laughs) So that kind of helped me pushing harder, 
and also I was I was doing um, Irish dance also in a competition level and that was the really the one there was only one prize you know only one first place and you had to compete with all the others at one point it kind of you know pushed myself to become better at it on the other side it was too much pressure that I think was unnecessary in many ways but were you still happy did did it still make you happy Looking back, I actually never really liked that sport, to be honest. I think I just I just did it because it was something exotic, you know, when I when someone asked me, What are you doing? I said, Well, I'm doing the Irish dance. I was like, Wow, show me and you know, I spent a lot of time on the stage and I think that was really just something for my ego at the end. I wasn't also not so good at it. Like others could jump higher. I was just not that person and I I just I don't know, I just didn't had what it what it took right so now i'm not doing it anymore i actually enjoy other uh, sports like more weightlifting and i don't see any competition with me right now Mm -hmm. in that level and i think that comparing yourself is actually the best way to you know also destroy your luck in many ways because you're constantly looking for others you know constantly looking how is she doing how is he doing how does he look do i look better am i good enough and the constant look outside, I think, really takes you away from your inequalities and the potential that you would be really able to reach if you wouldn't compare yourself constantly to what's around you. And and also, there is no such thing as comparing yourself. Everything, everyone is so unique that it doesn't, it doesn't, there is no, you said that, like, academic background or, like, there is no reasoning behind it. How do you mm-hmm. want to compare yourself? Everyone has a different background. And if someone is better at this, maybe it's just because he has more talent or, you know, had better options when he was younger. It doesn't mean that, yeah, I don't know. Well, I I think that I think that there are definitely different forms of intelligence, you know. I mean, I, I excelled anything to do with the body. Like, I was able to jump really high and far and... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I've been told I've been told I should become a dancer many times, uh, but the reality is, I just there were things I liked doing, and there were things I didn't like doing. Right, you know, um, I, I was a gymnast when I was younger, um, and I didn't uh, I didn't like compet- I didn't like the competitions. It just wasn't interesting to me. I wanted to be an acrobat. I liked flipping on the trampoline and flipping on the floor. I didn't like anything else. You know, all that other stuff was just not interesting to me. Uh, the whole idea of the Olympics was so unattractive to me and it was weird because i would meet a lot of people who that was their goal in life was to be an olympic champion and i always thought to myself why i never got it i i I never ever ever got it like yeah the whole like and and it was funny because you know um i also played football so soccer uh throughout the years baseball that kind of thing I I, i went to baseball camp every summer when i was younger as well and uh Team sports, I really dug um, because, you know, you would have to refine communication and talent individually and it became more of a strategy as as a whole. And I actually really enjoyed that. You know, I I really enjoyed um, seeing that, you know, if I didn't, if if I wasn't good enough to be on on first base or to be a pitcher, then they're going to get the other kid who is. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, not not everybody needs to get a cookie just because they show up. And, uh, and, and I, and I really, that, that was actually to me that like the inter like the competition you'd think would be against the other team. But to me, the real competition was within the team. 
actually, uh, to be able to say that you're reliable enough for somebody else to count on you, right? That, that So that was something I kind of learned in team sports when I was younger. And um, I think team sports are actually very productive for that reason. I think that uh, the idea of competitive sport with a one-on-one was never so interesting to me because I can just go out and do it by myself. I don't need a judge to tell me whether I'm doing things properly or not. The attractive things about doing, a, you know, even touring as a, as a one-on-one sport uh, athlete, it's nice. Like I have friends of mine who are professional snowboarders mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's great. You know, they get to tour and, 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 and every weekend they're play, they're, 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 they're performing on a new slope or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, um, when I was uh, 15 years old, trading 25 hours a week just for that, and then going to school was it was disaster, right? It was it wasn't worth it at all. Uh, I mean, it was worth it in the sense that I really enjoyed it. But I, I if if I could have chosen, I would have said school uh, it could go away, and I just do this instead. It would have been a much better use of my time, right? So, yeah. So anyway, what else do we got here? Uh, positive and negative competitions. We talked about that. Um, limit is a belief. That was one of the last, uh, uh, the ideas we wanted to put into a previous episode that we didn't quite fit it into, but there's something, this goes into that idea of yours of actually manifesting, you know, like, um, it was really a bit hard with the kittens. They were they're pretty big now. We got five of them and they're, uh, they're running all over the place. They're like little crackheads just on sugar. And, uh, you know, so we, we have this outside area where you guys can see us now and all day long, they're just out here running around. So right now they're in the nice little room that we've allocated for them. And uh, them being 12 weeks old and none of them have been sold yet, we were really getting worried about that. And so Madeline really put her mind to it and uh, made it happen. So, yeah, exactly. So limit uh, is, is really a belief. And to me, I think that limit being a belief is something that if you you know, like a lot of, you hear this growing up, it's like, um, if, if you believe in yourself, you can do it, that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's funny because there actually really is a lot of truth to that. The sense that if you believe there's a limit to your success, then you've already limited your success. Right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, so something that I was thinking more in the last maybe one or two years, like really I had these thought patterns like, you know, there's not enough for everyone. There's only a limited amount of money. There's only so far you can go. You can't do this. You can't have everything. (laughs) If you do this one thing, then you can't do the other thing. And I always thought to myself, why? Why Why would I limit myself to, to that? Just because it's something that someone told me in my childhood because they didn't believe it themselves. They didn't get, uh, went out and, you know, tried to reach the stars and really live their dream life. So, and I, I see how it's working. I see how things happen and come into my life that for many, many other people, is is like a miracle when I tell them how I got my first book deal. There's like, wow, that sounds like, you know, magical, like in a fairy tale. I just went once on the stage, I performed, and then all of a sudden I got that book deal. And everything went so easy. And I know many people try their whole life to get something that I got so easily. <laughs> so I tell them, you know, you just have to be open, try out new things, and really think that the place you are here, there 
are endless options and you have the opportunity to reach everything you want. You just need to open yourself up, try new things and really become creative. And something I heard recently also in a podcast, he said, if you want to live the unconventional life, then you have to do unconventional things. You can't expect, you know, like a life coming up that is so extraordinary by only doing the ordinary stuff, like going to work every day, you know. So start, start, thinking out of the box, bringing new ideas into your life and really try out new things that you like, you enjoy and have that idea that everything is unlimited. There's enough of everything out there. It's funny what you're saying about uh, the um, extraordinary life because I remember I went through a phase in my life where I was, um, I don't know, like I was just searching, you know, like I was, I was in my late teens, uh, early 20s perhaps. And I just remember really clearly thinking to myself, I don't like how things are going right now. I'm going to change something. And what I would do is I just walk into work and I just say, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. And I was gone, <laughs> right? And and it was funny because a lot of friends of mine, you know, they're always telling me, oh, you can't just quit your job like that, you, you know. And it is interesting because I designed my life like I was very nomadic. I pretty much lived out of my backpack. Um, I went and spent all my money eventually on building my own little studio, which I also kind of lived in. <laughs> Not very similar to what I'm doing right now, but uh, dissimilar. Um, but it was one of those things where um, it actually was kind of addictive. Um, there was a point in my life where I remember I'd be trying on jobs like clothing, you know, um, I just tried on for a week, didn't bother, didn't like it, throw it away, give it to Goodwill. <laughs> you know, I let yeah. somebody else have it. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I found that it actually really helped me in my life. I, I can't I, I can't believe, like, I, I tried to write down all the jobs I did in my life. And it's it's a big list. And, um, but it really helped me kind of tune what I like and what I don't like to be able to create something a little bit more extraordinary. Yeah. So many friends of mine remain stagnant, you know, um, living only within a couple kilometers from where they were born struggling with life, not very happy, not being able to maintain any relationships significantly. Um, as they get older, their health deteriorates very, very rapidly, you know, that kind of thing. And I, and I find with me, it's been the opposite. You know, I, I've got a whole bunch of dumb injuries and stuff like that. So on that side, my health is, is a bit of a struggle, but, uh, at the same time I work through it all. And that's a part of my extraordinary life is I find that even every injury that I've had has taught me something. It's taught me how to really power around it and through it and, and, and to make myself better. It's actually amazing to see, you know, like I broke my ankle and my shoulder, as you guys know, last year, I'm having horrid knee problems right now because of the imbalance between my, uh, my left and right uh, um, parts of my body. Like just the posture is all fucked up right now because of that. And it's interesting just to see how the, the stuff I have to do now or not have to, but that I'm, I'm doing now to try and fix that. I've uh, gone full into this whole like breathing exercise thing that I'm doing every day. Um, today, I didn't tell you, Maddie, I held five and a half minutes. Wow. So that's my new breath hold. Five and a half minute breath hold. There we go. <laughs> so now my new the ne the next the next clock I have to beat is six minutes, <laughs> right? And it's and it's funny because even on that 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 uh, limit is a is just a belief. Mm -hmm. I find that whenever I can hold my breath more than four, let's say three and a half minutes, the only way I can do it is to really shut my head off. Right. And and it's weird. It's like eventually it's I'm starting to feel it now. It's starting to to come kind of like a muscle, 
You know, like when you want to pick something up, you know what muscles you require in order to do that. But for the first couple of years of your life, you struggle. <laughs> you know, this is why little babies around cats and stuff like that isn't the best because they don't know how to pet a cat. They only know how to smack them and grab them and pull on them, you know, um, which is one of the concerns we actually had about selling one of the cats to one of the neighbors down the street because they have a little baby that only knows how to smack it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she got better. She did. Um, but th that's kind of my point is that there's a refinement in everything. And sometimes even a lot of the stuff that we don't um, really acknowledge, it's there. And to learn to fine tune it is unbelievable. You know, I, I learned even how um, Stephen Hawking, how, uh, how he had to speak, you know, um, there's a movie actually that was made about this a while ago. It's, it's, it's unbelievable stuff. Um, the way that he has to move his eyes in order to trigger different letters. And it's, it's crazy that he's written entire books just by doing that and communicating with people who help him. Um, it's unbelievable what the human body is capable of when the circumstances change, you know? Um, and I think that's, and the mosquitoes are coming oh, out. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you got my shirt on. <laughs> But this is one of the most amazing things. And when we talk about competition um, and cooperation, it really is an inspirational thing. That's kind of why it, it struck me today, right? Is that uh, they're really like competition in the sense of like, there's always going to be a loser. It's not, it's not really the way it works, I think, in real life. I think that competition is there in order to create balance, mm -hmm. right? And if you don't want to be a part of the balance, then you have to either leave or go somewhere else and compete for something else somewhere else. You know, that's 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 kind of the way it works, mm. right? Same thing as being a musician, you know. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm going to Vakken next week, so I'm still very excited about that. Uh, I've always wanted to go, but like I said, the tickets get sold out so fast and I always have something going on during that week. Um, what was it? In 2020, I, I, had a, I had a backstage invitation to go to Vakken uh, because I know some people who work there. And then obviously that didn't fucking happen and all the tickets got carried over till last year. So I think this is the first year where actually um, Vakken is going to be happening where people are actually buying their tickets and then they're not carried over from uh, 2019 or whatnot. So, yeah. So a, a quick note on the on the whole Vakken thing while we're on it. Uh, logistically, there are a couple of things that have changed and it just goes to show you how the refinement of the system has happened over 30 years, right? It started off with just a festival for 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people. And now it's like close to 150, they say officially 85 or 90,000 people or something like that. But that doesn't take into account the fact that everybody who lives in Vakken can go there for free. It doesn't take into account of all the people who work there, the police, the firemen, like yeah, yeah. all, you know, the staff, the musicians, their friends, their groupies, all that stuff, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, it was interesting that one, one thing that I really loved was in order to keep the flow of beer uh, to, <laughs> to all the people constantly throughout the entire festival, um, they decided to no longer have kegs at all the different tent stations. Instead, they have one massive like barn they've converted or, or, or there's probably a big tent they now build beside the barn. Um, and it's just got this huge silo full of beer or just many different sources of beer. And it's sponsored by one major beer manufacturer now, uh, um, um, Kombach, I believe it. Yeah, Kombacher. Kombacher. And um, what they've done is they've laid like uh, beer pipes that go from the central hub or multiple central hubs anyway, they probably have a few of them, to all the different tents where they then feed the beer. So I, I always, I, I, when I heard that, I was like thinking to myself, 
that would be so awesome. The fact that like in all of our houses, we have the gas lines that are pulled. <laughs> we have the electricity that's pulled. We have the water that's pulled. But if we had the beer, <laughs> the beer pipe pulled to our houses, life would be fundamentally different. All right. I, I'd, I, I just, I actually really wonder what that would be like. Because in Germany, it would probably work too, you know? Yeah. You know, you'd have the you have the, the the pipe coming into the house for the beer and one for like maybe the strudel filling or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking knows. Yeah, Apfelschwolle, exactly. All that stuff. So it's it's just actually really interesting to see how they came to these solutions over the course of thirty years and to actually um, revolutionize. I think some of, some of the technology in order to do that. Uh, another thing is that now they're going uh, with this whole chip thing, where if you guys have ever been to a festival. It's a pain in the ass to always have money with you. I, it's it's a it's a funny thing. Like I, when we're talking about a hundred thousand people in a little tiny village, the bank machines don't have that much money on them, right? And people lose their wallets, or they 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 spend their like things are more expensive than they expected it to be, or whatnot. So one of the benefits of the of the of the digital age, it's a funny thing because I'm usually someone that speaks quite negatively about the digital age, specifically when it comes to money and uh, and, and digital money and stuff like that. But what they've done at Vaken is quite similar to the way that uh, Maddie and I we go into um, what are called. Uh, it's kind of like a German version of a water park. Like when you guys in North America think of a water park, you think of the slides and the the wading the wading pool and all that. Here they have something that's called Tama, which kind of like translates to the thermal. <laughs> and it's it's more of a a spa with um, saunas, um, hot pools. So like think of like pools, but the pools are kind of like. They're not like square, like for swimming laps and stuff like that. They're more like lagoon shaped, you know what I mean? Um, and they're set to like 40 Celsius, so they're hot, right? Mm -hmm. And a big and half of it will be outside. So all throughout the winter, you go into these things and you're in the hot water outside, and there's a swim up bar in the sauna or the the thermal. The ther I don't even know what to call it. Like, I wonder what the hell you call that in English. Uh, anyway, so this is something that they've done. And every time Maddie and I have gone there, it's been. Interesting, because what they do is because obviously you're wet the whole time. You can't take your money with you, and who the fuck wants to? Uh, you get a waterproof little um, RFID tag um, on a bracelet, and you swipe it on everything that you want to buy, and at the end, you pay the difference. And Vaken decided to do that last year, and now they're doing it this year. And my friend told me he was very skeptical because the first time they tried it, it was a failure. Then they refined it and it's working. And so now they're looking like it's going to be a good thing, like it's actually going to work. So I'm curious to see whether it's going to be a positive or a negative thing. I'll be able to tell you guys about this next week, whether I found it to be, or the week after next. Yeah, exactly. Next weekend, we're not sure if we're going live. This is why we kind of stressed out a little bit doing something tonight. We really wanted to uh, uh, go live tonight because we're not sure if next weekend is going to be a thing. We'll keep you guys posted for all of that. Yeah. So it's getting late, which is actually, yeah, you guys can see the it's slowly getting dark. Yeah. What time is it now anyway? Over here, we are uh, 20 to 10. So it just goes to show you, you know, we're, we we live far enough uh, north that uh, this is this is this is our uh, nighttime. It's going to be about like, I, I don't think it really gets dark, dark until about 11 p.m. here, something like that. All right. So it's it's one of those other little things that I really like about here. And it's funny, you know, I've driven to uh, North Sweden from where we are here and even at this time of the year it, you notice it it's like it's such a huge difference all you got to do is drive maybe three four hours north and it's and it's like the the 
the length of the days are um, increment like um, almost like exponentially longer. It's it's crazy to see how much brighter it gets just if you go a couple hours more north. Because uh, uh, if you drive, for example, um, let's say from southern U.S. to the northern U.S., it's not such a big difference in the sunset, right? But if you drive from North Germany to Scandinavia, it's a huge difference, right? It's it's like you you notice it immediately. So it's uh, just uh, the more north you go, the more extreme it gets quicker <laughs> right so there we go anything you want to say to wrap things up today maddie i think we're going to keep it nice and short i love the idea today about uh, how competition um leads to cooperation it really it's a soothing idea in the sense that uh, even with um internally as i mentioned in the beginning of the episode there's that internal struggle that we have right there's the external struggle of being able to survive in our environment um and there's the the actual idea that the environment you know a lot of people like to think that the environment only has enough allocated areas and resources for everybody but i don't see that to be the case i think that like you mentioned that we create our own resources and life creates resources mm -hmm. you know i think that's something i'm learning a lot with the permaculture stuff in order to um alter the soil you have to let the bugs come over yep. pesticides is one of the <clears throat> stupidest things that you could ever use mm -hmm. because all those bugs are coming for a reason they're coming because they're attracted to the to the fact that 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 soil needs mm -hmm. them right and, and and so it's really interesting to see that that soil has said hey guys you know something's fucked here come over and and help us out and then comes the idiot farmer and starts spraying them all to death and, uh, you know, putting down artificial bacterias and external inputs in order to try and yield a crop. But at the same time, I think that if you just listen to the way that the nature has told you and shows you that things need to be done, mm -hmm. you can go with it. it you, don't need to you don't need to swim upstream. It doesn't need to be a struggle. So how about some final words from you, Mehdi? <laughs> well, I think you're already you know, kind of said it nicely. Summarize. <laughs> you summarized it nicely. There's actually nothing left for me to say. But just really, yeah, maybe you, this week, you know, you can think about your beliefs. Where do you think you have limited beliefs? Where do you think it's not possible? Where you limit yourself and really try to open up and see if it's doing anything, if it's really, you know, um, changing, if you really think, wow, maybe what happens if that would be possible for me, you know, something that you would never thought would, would be possible. How would that feel like? And really feel as if this is a reality for you and then be grateful for it. So, and then maybe, you know, things will change a little. <laughs> so, yeah, this is basically an invitation to look at your beliefs and open up, throw them out of the window and think everything is possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> the mosquitoes are all over me. <laughs> yeah. That's good. All right, guys, let's let's close it down for tonight. And this has been oh, there's a nice the bats are coming out now and they're flying around. Yeah, I think we're gonna I'd like to do this more often to tell you the truth. Well, we still can. We have another month of maybe the sunlight being like this. Uh solstice was already um oof, a month ago, a month mm -hmm. and a half ago now. Yeah, yeah. So uh we can start to see that it's already starting to get darker um as we approach the equinox. So all right, everybody. This has been a nice episode. Cooperation. I actually wanted to name the episode um, Competition Leads to Cooperation, but it was too long for that <laughs> to fit it in there. But so, Cooperation, Episode 19, Season 2. Talk to you guys later. See you next week. Hopefully, if not, then I'll see you in two weeks. Until then, bye-bye.